This episode of the GCSAA podcast is presented in partnership with Bayer Environmental Science, a company committed to providing technical expertise and innovative solutions that maximize turf quality and make superintendents' jobs easier. For more information on the company and its offerings in the golf industry, head over to environmentalscience.bear.us and look for the Turf and Ornamentals Management tab at the top of the page. As always, our thanks to everyone at Bear for their continuing support of this podcast. Well, welcome back to another episode of the GCSA podcast, episode number 32. I'm Scott Hollister, the editor-in-chief of Golf Course Management Magazine and the host of the GCSA podcast, and I really appreciate you taking the time to check us out today. As most of you listen to this episode, we are on the eve of the 2021 Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits, and to get you ready for one of the most popular events in golf, we are psyched to have the man responsible for overseeing preparations of the Straits course for the Ryder Cup, and that's Chris Zugel, the Director of Golf Course Maintenance for the Kohler Company. Chris is a certified golf course superintendent who is no stranger to uh, major championship golf, having prepared for PGA championships in 2010 and 2015 at Whistling Straits, along with the countless other big events that he's been a part of during more than 20 years with Kohler. As most of you are aware, this Ryder Cup is taking place um, a little later than originally planned, uh, thanks to the pandemic. So we will talk to Chris about how that delay impacted preparations for he and his team, uh, what things look like at Whistling Straits heading into its latest major championship turn, and a little about his career in turf, which has included a stint in sports turf management, as well as his years in golf. Chris is a great guy. I've been lucky to know him for a long time, and I was excited he was able to give us some time with with the Ryder Cup just around the corner. So I hope you enjoy our conversation with Chris Zubel. And while we're on the subject, uh, I feel it's my obligation to mention that yours truly will actually be on site at Whistling Straits during the week of the Ryder Cup, providing live inside the ropes coverage of all the golf course management activities taking place in Wisconsin. So I want to make sure that you uh, check out the GCM website, gcmonline.com, and the magazine's social media accounts on Twitter and Facebook starting Sunday, September 19th for reports from uh, Whistling Straits. And if you play your cards right, you might also get a few mini podcasts uh, during the week of the Ryder Cup on this very feed. So uh, keep your fingers crossed uh, for that. Need to take care of my legal obligation to remind you about subscribing to the podcast and giving us a rating and a review wherever it is you get your podcast. All those same services also give you access to all our previous episodes, including our most recent one that featured former GCSAA president Dennis Lyon. You can do all that through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and of course, you can always find us on the GCSAA website by searching for, uh, drumroll please, GCSA podcast. So you've probably heard enough from me, and now it's time to get to the real reason that you're listening uh, to this uh, podcast. And that's our conversation with Whistling Streets, Chris Zugel, on episode 32 of the GCSA podcast. Hope you enjoy it. So my latest victim joins me on the GCSA podcast, and it's uh, Chris Zugel, uh, the director of golf course maintenance uh, for the Kohler Company, uh, which includes overseeing Black Wolf Run and uh, for the purposes of our conversation, Whistling Straits. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. Good. Um, have you had too many? Have you been doing too, uh, much media, like uh, turf-related media? I know you worked with us uh, for the GCM story. I'm sure some of the other pubs have reached out, but how much have you been hit up for that stuff? Yeah, um, not too much so far for uh, turf-related media. Uh, the PGA, I've been doing um, a lot 
with the PGA um, is in relation probably more to the the general production from the PGA of America. Right, right. Well, you're probably you're probably getting. I mean, for a lot of guys, that can be a little uh, unusual. I'm having to deal with the media that that come along with these major events. Of course, you've got some experiences. We'll get into, but uh, have you gotten relatively comfortable at, at doing all that kind of stuff? I, I don't know if it's being comfortable. It's more of just you know, I've started to just feel comfortable telling more of what we do. Um, right. I think it's, it's kind of what I do anyway. I try not to be something I'm not and, um, try and give who I am. Sometimes it, I feel kind of, kind of silly cause I, I don't tend to overcomplicate things. So, um, I think sometimes people get bored with my conversations cause it's you know, <laughs> like, I, I tell my wife, I just cut grass. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes well, that, that it's not anything a, more than that, but yeah, that is, that's a simplistic way to put it. Um, as we'll get into the lot, a lot goes into it and, um, and we'll talk a little bit about I me mean, because your role this time around is probably slightly different or, or maybe it's a lot different than it was mm-hmm. uh, for the previous events uh, that you, you guys have hosted there. But we'll get into all that. As, um, now it's the time I went all em- embarrass Chris with all his credentials. Um, um, and just so folks who may be not super familiar with you, Chris, um, or get a little bit better idea. But you are a 24 year member of GCSAA, as I said, director of golf course maintenance um, for the Kohler companies. Um, on Twitter, you can be found at czoogle. Uh, that's your username. Do you are you on social media much? Um, lately, no. Yeah. Um, it's been pretty depressing. I used to be pretty pretty involved with it. I like to post things, kind of like to see where everybody was at, kind of followed industry trends. And um, now, as soon as I turn it on, I seem to just get anxiety and nothing really positive (laughs) comes from it. I might check it every once in a while, you know, like when the bucks were um, in the finals, you know, I'd check and see kind of game highlights. Um, I'm sure I'll probably get back on it now with the Packers starting up again, Um, you know, just to kind of see things that I miss out on. Um, But I'm, Sadly, I'm starting to, to veer away from it. Um, my wife has found TikTok, uh, oh and she watches like funny dog videos. So maybe that's where my next social <laughs> media fair. venture well, will be. Well, maybe she can hang out during the week of the Ryder Cup and uh, and do uh, TikTok videos of uh, people mowing greens and whatnot. So I've not go. gotten into that. GCM go. <laughs> is sticking to the to the Twitter and the Facebook, the old school uh, for now. Yeah. Um, so all, all the the kids are going to have to kind of gravitate back towards those. But um, <laughs> uh, anyway, long uh, Chris, long history with the Kohler Company. You did two stints, right? Um, a little bit, some time before you were with the Brewers, and then it clearly uh, uh, once you came back after that stint. Is that I have that right? Yeah, it's it's more like three times. I started as an intern, um, left, um, came back. Um, and then left for the Brewers and then came back and I've been in this, this last stint I started in 2009. Okay. Uh, how many years total is that? So that's since 09. So we're talking, uh, I mean, yeah, I started in 2000 building the Irish courts. Um, and then that was just for a few months left until 2002, um, came back from 2002 to 2000, the end basically through 2000 starting in 2008 2009 i worked for the brewers um and then so i guess all total 18 years 
Yeah. Okay. I was close. I, I, I made mention, I said close to 20 years in, in the intro, which I've already recorded to give away the secrets of podcasting. But um, <laughs> I've got, then I was looking down, I'm like, wait a minute, he's only been there since 08. Maybe I've got that wrong. So at least I, at least I don't have to re-record that. Um, it's, it's no, no, I, government work. Yeah. I, I tell people basically that I've worked over 20 years with a couple of vacations here and there for right. different jobs. Good. <laughs> Good, good. Well, I didn't, I, I didn't mean for us to get into the, to, into too much math because that's why I got into. Germany. I know I only got so many fingers. That's right. I know. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll stay away from that the rest of the way out. But um, anyway, the reason we're having Chris on is obviously, hopefully, as most of you listen to this, um, the Ryder Cup is still uh, to come. We are actually recording this in late August. So I think we're like, are we five weeks out? Something like that? from the actual tournament week uh 25 days um 25 days out. right at about three weeks ish okay. we're looking at we're open for another two more weeks um and then we close for advance week and then uh in the tournament week so then here we go um, yeah. here you go so uh hopefully uh most of the listeners are listening to this in advance kind of to, to get them ready um for their enjoyment of of the big event and um uh, the competition itself september 24th through the 26th and just a shameless self-plug um yours truly um will be on the ground from uh, september 19th through the 23rd uh, providing some behind the scenes reporting um on everything chris and his crew and the volunteers and everything like that are doing so i'm um, looking forward to that it'll be my second extended stint there i've been there a number of times but second i think the last time for any length of time was the, um, uh, the PGA in, in 2015. So, um, let's get right into it. And I, and I'll guess I'll get, let you kind of talk about a 20,000 foot view of things, right. As you sit right now, you say 25 days out. Um, how are things there? Are, are you pleased with where you are at from a agronomic perspective, from a staffing perspective? Um, how you, are you sleeping much at night? How are you feeling? Um, as we, as the, the big week gets closer. Um, pretty good. The golf course itself is, is doing well. This is not only is it, you know, the biggest event that, that we've hosted, but it's also, um, going down as one of the busiest years, uh, on the books as far as play. So we're battling, not only building, um, a massive, um, event, we're also, you know, handling daily play that's, um, busier than, than ever. Um, but the golf course is doing well, the staff, um, is doing well. We're getting to the point and this is kind of a, it always has been on the radar as far as a weird time for us to host a tournament because we lose a lot of our seasonal help. So a lot of our college high school students are leaving. Um, it also starts to slow down, um, as far as growth of turf and we start to not completely, but we're starting to see things not grow as fast as they do in, you know, let's say mid July. Um, so it is, it's a little bit of a struggle. The guys are stretched a little bit, a little bit thinner, but, um, you know, the, the one plus to having a tournament that's this big is that they're building on so much of the golf course as it is. So a lot of what we maintain is already shrunk. Right. So, um, so that's, that's a plus, you know, we don't have as many bunkers to maintain daily, uh, cause a lot of them are built over for, right. um, the, the tents and the bleachers and concession areas and things like that. But, um, the workload is still pretty high. Um, but it is nice. It's, you know, we're, we're definitely excited to, to host it and the staff is, is geared up. So sometimes you can, um, doing those jobs that are a little bit, a little bit tougher seem to 
maybe have a little bit better reward when you know you're doing them for the Ryder Cup. And, you know, I think another thing, and, and you can certainly speak to this, um, you've got a, a, a veteran crew um, and a veteran team around you, um, the folks that, that are that are working there. You've got a lot of folks who've been around before. They've been through majors before. Um Additionally, you, you, as we'll get into here, and I, I think most people will know that the event was postponed a year because of the pandemic, um, and so there was probably things to navigate there. But um, I, I'm assuming having that kind of veteran presence there, and when you do have the challenges and you do have the stressors there, that it may be a little bit is it a little bit easier to, to get through that because you have a team that's experienced not only at your property but also with major championship preparations. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely a benefit. I mean, not only, you know, experience at Whistling Straits, but experience hosting tournaments. Um, you know, we have a lot of kind of knowledge to, to kind of reflect on and use as we prepare. Um, it's also, you know, sometimes it's not the best thing because we know what didn't work. So we got to make sure we're not just not looking at things again from a different angle, maybe the same thing if we were to attack it from a different way would be would would end up working where it didn't work before where that's that's what makes it fun with the blend of the veterans that we have and the the younger guys that are coming in and and have that suggestion maybe they've been somewhere else and have seen a different uh, process done or a thought or you know just an idea that maybe we've tried before but now they kind of bring it up in a different way and you know we we tend to kind of evolve in that way but yeah you're i mean we've our mechanic cliff has been there for 30 years and matt and jeff um on the straights and irish course have been there for just as long as i've been there so it's right. it's it's nice to have that it's comforting to see it because i mean when all the vendors show up and they start building the chalets and they start building the bleachers and um you know it roughly you know quadruples the size of the normal force that we have on the golf course on a daily basis yeah. plus trucks and forklifts and wood and tractor trailer deliveries and all those things it's not as shocking it's still a shock i mean it's it's right. still one of those things where you don't until you see it and you see it all happen you don't necessarily know the scale of what it is but at least we're you know we were just talking about it the other day where there's a lot of things they're doing where we you know really be upset with or you know not understand why they're doing it but now we've seen it a few times so it's we're not we're definitely not old hats. There's, there's plenty of guys that have you no know, tons more experience than we do, but at least we have each other to kind of, right. Hey, remember when they did that in 2004? Hey, remember when they did that in 2010? Do you remember, you know, like we have all these, sure. we can go back and remember the things. And a lot of the guys that are coming, the vendors have been here for all the tournaments before. So it's, it's kind of like seeing old friends in that way too, because <laughs> you see these guys that have, have built the bleachers before they know the, the drill, they know what they're getting into because it's not, an easy course for them to work on either. Right, right. Um, so that's nice to have. They're not, those guys aren't coming into a blind and not being completely, um, you know, shell shocked when they come out and see that they have to carry some of these things up hills and, and, you know, access is limited and all that sort of thing. They know right. that. Right. Um, in terms of scope, how does it compare, um, footprint for all the infrastructure and everything. How does it compare the Ryder Cup compared to the PGAs that you hosted? 
Uh, it's about twice as big as the PGA in 15. Wow. Um, as far as infrastructure size of, you know, footprint of, of all the corporate chalets and concession stands and all those things. Um, so it's, it's bigger in that way. And it's, it's funny too, cause it's obviously a fraction of the amount of golfers that are playing it. Right. Um, but the interest and just the, the energy you can already feel in the first hole is just amazing. It's in, you know, the, we'll be out there working and you just look around and you see, you know, the bleacher on the first tee and the chalets around the first green and the chalets down on the side and they're starting to build TV towers and you can start to feel the energy. Um, it, it'll be, it'll be pretty, pretty awesome. I think. Yeah. I mean that, and that's certain, I was, you know, I was going to ta- ask you later about the, the fact that verse, you know, you know, as opposed to a PGA where you had a feel of a hundred and whatever to start 150 or players or whatever that you had to two te- two you know, one in 10 starts and they start really early and it's, you're going from sun up to sundown with play. Now you've got 12 people on a, on a side, you know, some days you're, you know, you've got obviously morning and afternoon matches, but that's a, um, that's a whole different beast from actually preparing the playing surfaces, um, or I guess the traffic and things like that. Um, did you make, have you made any tweaks or, or how, how are you going to tweak the work that your crew is doing to prepare the golf course versus what you've done, uh, in previous majors? Um, nothing will really be as far as what the, like what we'll do on a daily basis. It'll all be very similar. The one hiccup and we just, it's funny. I just came from meeting with, um, the superintendent and, and assistants talking about what that looks like, because it's the one component that we don't know. Um, and that it's hard to visualize and work out is the, the way the golf course is set up, you know, it's two miles along Lake Michigan. Um, and, but the center of it is number one. Um, and that's where, you know, 40,000 people are going to get come at 6am. Right. Um, and it's, it's also the kind of connecting point between the front and the back nine. Um, and so it's trying to, you know, logistically go through what we've done in the past and apply it to what it's going to be in, um, September where for a PGA championship, as you said, a double T, you know, we expect fans on both sides. We kind of got a, it's, it's no different than a double T, um, for just our daily play. If we set those up for, for different events, um, where we know what we've got to do and we got to get out, kind of steer clear of golf and not bother them. Um, but now it's not only preparing, getting ready before golf, but also then trying to figure out how we're going to get through 40,000 people as they either are showing up, uh, to park, um, you know, or through the course, uh, it's not easy. You know, we don't have, um, a lot of access into some spots. So, um, you know, it's just been trying to, you know, problem solve what that looks like, where we can go, you know, what, you know, potential hiccups could happen where we could put people that could, could assist in a situation where something, um, you know, an equipment failure or something's not going to plan. Like how do we account for that without having to reinvent the wheel? So, um, I think that's one of our strengths as a, as a group, um, is that we we're always looking to improve and always looking to, to make things, um, just a little bit more efficient so that we can provide, a better experience for our daily guests. And in this case for, for a Ryder cup to make sure that we've kind of learned on all those kind of things that we've done throughout all the PGA championships that we've hosted and then apply them into, to making the Ryder cup run smooth. Cause ideally, um, what I've 
tell a lot of people is that, you know, they're like, well, what do you do during the week of the tournament? And ideally not a lot. Um, you know, the course is set. Um, it's similar to working for the brewers. You know, there's a lot of, I mean, if you set up the, the baseball field and they start playing, you don't, there's not too much to do unless something were to go wrong with, you know, something individually, but, um, you know, 90% of the time, there's nothing that should happen. Um, and the same thing is what we try and prepare for is that that week should just be smooth. Um, we'll just do our, what we've planned and we have kind of some, some things in our back pocket as far as changes we can make that we can implement that won't necessarily, you know, require us to reinvent the wheel and, and disrupt our, our plans and preparations. Yeah. I mean, I, having been there in 2015 for most of that week, um, that that's a heck of a point. I mean, what a, it, it's an interesting property in terms of length. And I recall, you know, it, it took a while to figure out, you know, how to get where, and there were times when those afternoon rounds, you'd take the road out front to swing to the other end of the property far more quickly. So you, you, you could get access there and, uh, yeah, you just, you, you ratchet up the numbers and, and concentrate those numbers on just a limited number of holes in a limited part of the golf course. And that's a, that's a heck of a puzzle that you're going to have to kind of navigate a week of. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why it's nice to have just those, you know, different pieces we can plug and play and, um, and shift and just be prepared to, you know, call an audible at the line, um, and, and move on to, to, you know, another option. Um, that hopefully will work better, but, um, you know, for a PGA championship, the practice rounds are practice rounds for us as well. Right. Um, you know, we, we not, not that we're not caring or preparing the golf course, but it's, there's hiccups that happen, you know, Monday you get guys that don't know the property and staff that starts, you know, I was just talking with the, the staff this morning and, you know, they first day you know, show of hands. If you've been, if you're lost, <laughs> like everybody's <laughs> like, yeah, I was, I was lost. Um, and some, you know, like who's still lost, you know, and there's still guys that are like, I still don't even know how to get to, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to that area from this one. So it's, um, so then you throw in the fact that, you know, volunteers are coming in and they don't know where they're going. And, um, so it's coordinating what we're doing with staff that knows and is in positions to assist those guys. And, right. um, you know, tournaments, you know, you go to different tournaments and you don't know how to get from, you know, three to six, you know, but if you've worked there for a while, it's no brainer. You just take your, take your turn. And, you know, everyone that works on a golf course knows those shortcuts and can get everywhere faster than, than say somebody that's unfamiliar with the property. Yeah. That's, that's my role. When I come to most golf courses, I'm the guy that can't figure out how to get from point A to point B. So, um, (laughs) if you see me wandering around during the week, please, please pick me up. We'll get back to this episode in a moment, but right now a word from our friends at Bayer Environmental Science, proud sponsors of the GCSA podcast and equally proud supporters of superintendents as they strive to maintain consistently beautiful, healthy turf. Right now, through the Now Solutions program, Bayer is offering immediate discounts and rebates on its leading portfolio of innovative products and solutions. Get the best deals on the latest products, like Tetrino, which offers fast-acting, season-long control of white grubs, annual bluegrass weevils, and other turf-damaging insects. And Densicore, the powerful new DMI fungicide that provides next-level control of top five turf diseases and more. Also, save big on standout products like Spectacle Flow for superior pre-emergent control of the most troublesome weeds. From now through September 30th, the Now Solutions program offers four ways to save, including volume,
volume discounts, select product rebates, tier rebates, and pairing rebates. And any purchases you make of the eligible products will also count towards your overall tier rebates in the Fall Solutions program that kicks off October 1st. Order now and save now with the Now Solutions program from Bayer. Contact your Bayer representative today or visit the website at es.bayer.us slash now hyphen solutions to get brilliant savings for beautiful turf. Our thanks once again to everyone at Bayer for their support of the podcast. And now back to the show. Uh, I imagine that your your experience working with PGA of America, with Kerry Haig, with all of those folks on a, a pretty much regular base, semi-regular basis, um, is probably eases things a little bit. You know what the organization kind of expects, what Kerry's expecting, vice versa. They know how to work with you. Has that made um, those previous relationships, has that made this process a little easier uh, for your crew as you head into uh, the Ryder Cup? I think so. I mean, I think it goes both ways. Um, you know, a golf course that, um, you know, there's golf courses that have hosted, you know, multiple events, uh, with the PGA of America, but, um, you know, I've been, when I started in 2009, you know, it was one year to go before, uh, the 2010 PGA championship. And that, that was my first, you know, I had met Carrie in previous capacities as an assistant before, um, so we knew one another and then working with Carrie in, in 2010 and then, you know, working with Carrie in 2015, you know, there's a, a definitely a level of, of understanding of what we can do and what he expects and how we'll do it and what the result will be. Um, and I think that that for me, it's very comforting because I know, I know what he wants. Um, so I'm not questioning what the, the end goal is. And then for him, I would assume it's the same kind of, he knows that I'll provide what he's looking for. And, you know, we'll have that communication as far as if there's, um, you know, a question on some things, um, you know, it's, it's easily brought up and he can, he can ask, you know, different relationships to different things and see where they're, where it's working, where it's not. And, um, kind of that, that communication is key. Um, and then it's, it's funny, even as the setup for that, we had an, an additional year to be working with the PG of America because they're still in our parking lot in their operations <laughs> trailer. So, um, which is, I mean, those guys are great. So it's, it was, you know, it'll be sad now to see him go. Um, <laughs> not that we ever want to see the guys leave, but you know, we've almost developed a, a deeper relationship with them because we were had a whole nother year to, to hang out with them. And, um, and, you know, just kind of develop a relationship. Yeah. So it's, I think it's, it's great. It's, you know, working, preparing for these events is a challenge, but, you know, working with some people that you enjoy being around is, is definitely a plus. Yeah. And that was a great segue. It's like you knew where I was going because that was going to be my my next question was to talk about um, the delay. Uh, and I again, for most listeners, I can't imagine we're breaking any new ground uh, when we t- when we mentioned that the event was originally scheduled for 2020, September of 2020, and was postponed because of the uh, pandemic. So you had a, a, a full other year. And, and is that I, I recall at least just in in our little corner of the world as we were talking about reporting on on big events and we were kind of monitoring things. It, it was certainly, you know, for us, it didn't seem like that was going to be a big surprise that they eventually, just the way things were going, were going to have to move it. I'm sure that you were in the same boat and you probably, I'm, you probably, you absolutely had more information than, uh, than we did. Um, but still, 
the news that that was moving I, I was probably a shock and a huge disappointment to to a lot of folks on your team. Um, how did everyone handle that and the idea that oh we've got a whole we we were kind of peaking towards this one week and now we've got to wait an entire other year? Did did you have morale issues? Did you have that you had to deal with? Did you have to kind of just reinvigorate the team? Or for the most part, were they they got they had their moment of disappointment and kicking at the dirt and then they just got on with it after that how, how did that all play out among you and your team i would think it's probably the latter um you know there was like oh man like we were ready to host it um you know the funny thing is is kind of as fun as it is to host a tournament it, it also is nice to be done with it <laughs> right <laughs> um a, a tournament of this magnitude so it's there's definitely like you know a lot of people had maybe you know, the end of September, August or October 1st, kind of as a, you know, pinned on their calendar, as far as like, this will be, now we're done, we can move on. Um, you know, and well, um, kind of, as you mentioned, it's, it's not a shock. And to a lot of people with, you know, that there was a, and still is a pandemic occurring. Sure. Um, you know, that was just kind of almost par for the course, if you will, as far as things that were changing. I mean, so many things in people's lives were, were changed. I don't know if that was necessarily, um, you know, the biggest change that occurred to right. some people in their lives. So, um, I don't, there wasn't, you know, and again, just from my perception, I don't think there was a tremendous amount of, you know, disappointment. It's not like it was postponed and, you know, they wouldn't get to work it. Um, right. you know, it was just postponed for another year. Yeah. Um, so that the hardest part was probably just the unexpectedness as it, as it developed and until the, um, until the official postponement, because it was, it never occurred to any of us until it was maybe like the end of February when it started to really start to gain steam and start to have a little bit more, you know, start to, to hear it in the news and see it right. in newspapers and, and on Twitter. Um, yes. all those sort of things that were kind of fueling the fire. Um, and then I think finally somebody was like, what if the event gets postponed? And we were like, ah, that'll never happen. Like it's the Ryder <laughs> cup, like they'll, you know, that, that won't happen. And then it was started to get a little bit more, maybe a little bit more dire. And then we were like, like, geez, you know, I think maybe they're going to postpone the Ryder cup. So then we actually shifted our planning a little bit, um, into how do we plan for this, you know, option a, B and C, D, you know, like, what if we do it with limited fans? What if we do it with no fans? Right. What if, what if they do it tomorrow? Well, what if they do it, you know, in a month, what if they change the date, you know, and then you started to see certain events get kind of just moved in general, still held in the same time, but maybe shifted in the calendar. And we didn't know a lot of, um, we didn't have any information. They didn't have any information. This is before the postponement. So we were just trying to go through different scenarios as we were preparing and just kind of seeing, you know, what could we do? Can we handle this without, um, with our normal staff? Can we handle it? Right. You know, like what if they don't have spectators? Cause as, as we mentioned, like the logistics of getting through the property isn't bad for us. I mean, we're very efficient in moving through the, through the golf course, but, um, the, the gallery, um, is just creates a little bit of a logistical issue for us as we go. So, you know, could we do things a little bit, a little bit more streamlined? Um, so we started to look at each kind of option in that way. Um, and then when the ultimate postponement happened, we were just, it was kind of a relief because we knew a, it was going to happen. 
Um, so we're going to move it to 21. Um, same time frame, um, same logo, <laughs> um, <laughs> same golf course. Um, you know, we, we didn't know the players anyway, so it's not like we're preparing for something um, sure. specific for a certain player. Um, but then it just gave us time to just kind of sit back. And again, it was, it gave us time to, to make sure that we were taking care of ourselves and, and doing the things we needed to stay healthy, um, without having to, to really do anything abnormal just to prepare for, for a golf tournament. So it, I think it gave everybody just a, a chance to kind of take a deep breath and step back and, um, you know, gave everybody their summer back for yeah. 2020 in whatever way that was, which wasn't much cause you couldn't do much. So, right. um, right. you know, so it was, but at least you weren't, you know, also then had the stress of that comes with the major championship. So were, were there any projects or things that you were able to do in the, in the year since the cancellation that you might not have, might not have been able to do to previous or, or and I guess vice versa, were there things that, I mean, you were dialed in a certain area or th- things were really just rocking and rolling. You were going to be peak for that September that now mother nature or whatever is, has changed the equation a, a little bit. No, cause we weren't, we didn't do too much. We weren't as busy last year. Obviously, you know, the, there were some restrictions as far as, as golf and travel and things like that. Right. So our golf rounds were down last year. Um, but our staff was down as well. We were trying to, as it started, we were, um, very cautious about the amount of people we brought in versus the workload we had. So there were some things that we didn't necessarily do, but, um, but I don't think, you know, we're, but we're still busy. We're still, we still live in Wisconsin. So we still have a limited windows, right. but we were, we were ready. If they would have had it and it's one of those as, it, as the, you know, the, the week where it would have occurred last year and, um, you know, happened, you know, we're looking in the weather was amazing. It would have been a great year to have the, the Ryder right. cup. And it's, um, it's those things that you're like, Oh, this would have been, been a nice year to do it. But, um, but no, I mean, we were, with the course was ready, we would have had a, a, you know, if it was last year or two years ago or next year, you know, the golf course would be, um, ready out of, you know, our team is, is very well prepared to, you know, put together a, a tournament and, and whatever time frame they give us. Well, I'm looking forward to getting it's it's currently it's like 97 degrees in uh, Kansas right now. The heat index is like one one twelve. So I'm uh, absolutely looking forward to uh, late September uh, in, in Wisconsin. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you a uh, uh, kind of like a more of a personal yet professional question. You come into this event as the director of golf course maintenance, um, and the last two PGAs, you were the course superintendent for the Straits course, uh, the host course for the for the event at Whistling Straits. Uh, Mike Lee, a longtime fixture uh, there as well, uh, retired, and you were uh, promoted in, into his role. How does that? How do you envision that? And how has that ch- kind of changed what you you have done? And how do you see it changing um your role during the week of with you in that role and then uh, jeff wilson as the uh, as the uh, course super uh for the straights course um you know i guess i don't i don't really know specifically yet again like i said the week if it's the week if it was you know if i was in my previous role again uh, my thought would be the same thing where we're you know there's not a lot going on in it you know, the work is all the heavy lifting is, is done. Um, so I, ideally if that's the case, I would see it in, in the same, same situation. Um, I now don't do, um, as much just daily operation stuff. You know, I'm not setting up 
uh, the agronomic plan and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I worked with Jeff kind of a, as, you know, to, to share my experience and, and things that I've done. Um, but you know, that, that part of it is, is Jeff. Um, and as you mentioned, so I, I still oversee the golf courses at Black Wolf Run and we built a, a par three course there last year. Um, that, that also, you know, that I oversee. So, you know, there's, there's definitely things that happen. So I'm a little bit more, um, I did, I hope I don't become a paratroop man- manager where I kind of just drop in and, um, kind of, you know, ruffle everybody's feathers and then go off to the next golf course, which that's not what I want to do. But, um, you know, the, the week of, again, with, with kind of the, um, the, the recent crew moving of Jeff over to the straights course, um, right. you know, just being there to, to help him out and to provide support to him as far as what the daily operations look like and, and doing fun things like this, like talking to you and, right. and that sort of stuff. So I'll, I'll take that off his plate and just kind of, um, you know, handle those, that aspect of it. Um, you know, just covering, covering forums so he can focus on what, what's the most important, which is the golf course. Well, tell him he doesn't get completely off the hook because I'm going to be doing some mini podcasts. I'm gonna, I've got my little portable thing, and he's definitely on my uh, target list. So tell him uh, he's not getting completely off the uh, off the media bandwagon. Um, <laughs> I'll let him know. I, uh, you, you have an interesting. We'll talk a little non. Well, this is not this question. I guess is not non PGA or uh, Ryder Cup. Um, but I was funny. I was, I was kind of doing some, uh, refreshing my memory on various things. And I was rereading, uh, the, the stories that GCM published in 2015 and 2010. And I was reminded, uh, the 2010 story, uh, specifically mentioned your family and your young kids who I believe if I'm getting this right, were maybe five and two at the time. I don't know if that sounds right. More math. I'm sorry. I, I promised I wasn't going to yeah. do that. But, yeah. Um, in 10, 10, my son would have been uh one um okay. my yeah. daughter would have been five so yeah. yeah and so now and now here we are later I, i'm wondering from a from a family perspective do they do your kid do your kids i know your wife probably is intimately you know involved with what you, with what you do there and, and and super um you know just cognizant of of all that's involved do you get the sense of your kids are they are they more excited about this one just because they're at a different stage in their lives and um can kind of appreciate the spectacle that is a Ryder cup I, I think sadly, no, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> they're, they're somewhat spoiled, which I think I was too. when I was a kid, um, you know, my, my grandfather worked for the Milwaukee Brewers. So we would, um, come up and I'd run around County stadium and, you know, it was just, I, it was just something you do. Um, yeah. you know, and when I worked for the Brewers, you know, they were, they were young and, um, you know, my daughter would come out and we'd hang out on the field and she'd do cartwheels on the field. And, you know, I'm sitting there, you know, like she's, I don't know if she understands where she is doing cartwheels. Um, so I think they're a little bit spoiled. You know, I, I, as I said, I've, you know, long and the short of it is I cut grass. Um, and I think that's what my kids think I do. I don't think they think I have, you know, they just know I leave early and come home late. And, um, (laughs) and in the meantime, I'm, probably somewhere cutting grass. And, uh, so I don't, I don't know. I think, I think maybe once they see it, I think maybe they'll understand it. It's one of those things where a lot of times you appreciate it after it's done. Um, right. so I think once they look back and, and see what, what happened and, and what, what all it was all about, I think they'll appreciate it. But, um, but no, I mean, they're still, 
they're doing their own thing. My daughter just turned 16 now. So, um, you know, so she's obviously never home. Um, (laughs) and my son is with the pandemic, obviously developed a severe addiction to video games. So, you know, if I think (laughs) if if it's not related to video games, it's, it's, (laughs) it's nothing. Just get them the latest Tiger Woods version. I'm sure there's a writer (laughs) cup, uh, part of that, that they can, uh, they can appreciate. You're exactly right. I imagine, I imagine them coming out and getting a glimpse of what, what that first tee is going to look like as groups Mm -hmm. start to go off and just, you know, having talked with Chris Tritabaugh at Hazeltine about what that experience was like for he and his family. Now he had younger, I think his kids were significantly younger than yours. Yours will be for this. So I don't know that they appreciate it, but that, that spectacle that goes along with a, a Ryder cup that you don't see at a normal PGA tour event or, or, you know, the, the PGA championships, that's, um, I imagine that'll make an impression on them. And, uh, if not, you yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think you, again, it's one of those things where you, you know, when I was younger, you know, even I was, uh, I don't know if to get off topic, but I was a garbage man and I was a garbage man at a, a, a music concert. And I remember I walked up and I was picking up like bags of garbage off the stage and Eddie Vedder and Dave Grohl, um, <laughs> were actually on stage. So I get up there and I like, I don't know why I went up there, but I guess I was just doing my job getting the bags of garbage and I pick up this bag of garbage and I just look over and Dave Grohl's playing the drums like five feet from me. Eddie Vedder's 10 feet away from me. And, you know, there's 20,000 people standing in front of me and I pick up the garbage and I kind of go back and I'm like, like, huh, that was kind of neat. Now I think back now, like, you know, it gives me goosebumps. I'm like, holy cow. I was like right next to those guys. And, you know, at the time I was just doing my job and it was, you know, whatever. I probably didn't even tell anybody about it. But then I started thinking like, wait a second. Like that's something kind of neat. So maybe that'll happen with my kids. You know, they'll look back and be like, wait, my dad is kind of cool. Like he did something neat. Like, <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't know that far. At me as, to pick up my room. <laughs> as a father myself with two in college, I can tell you it doesn't, I, I at some points they, I, I guess, appreciate the, the things that I've gotten to do and, uh, as part of this job. And, uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that, that's funny. You you weren't tempted to grab the mic and and sing a little bit and join them. No, I was just picking up garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, opportunity missed. Uh, maybe maybe yeah, we exactly. can do we can do a little singing later or something. So yeah, this uh, but, could have been Rolling Stone. Wait a second. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure you probably had similar stories from your your time with the, with the Brewers, and um, I, I had some real agronomic questions like that. And I, you and I've talked about this. It's been it's been a few years, but I, I, I've still got a role and do some stuff with Major League Baseball, so have a, a particular uh, interest in that. Um, are, are, are there aspects of, of sports turf and, and where you've pulled things you learned when your time with the Brewers that you apply in golf and vice versa? Were there golf things that, that were particularly helpful when you were spent that year uh, at Miller Park? Yeah, yeah, I think, um, you know, the it doesn't, it's not a line between them. Um, so I think that that, um, that sharing of knowledge, you know, it occurs between superintendents as far as what, what's working, what's not working. Um, and, uh, you know, the sports turf world is, um, probably even better with it. You know, the, the groundskeepers in the major leagues are a very tight knit group that, that share information and, um, you know, they want their players to have the best surface, the NFL, you know, they, they're tight knit and they talk with the, with the 
groundskeepers in the baseball. So, it's, and then, you know, I have relationships still with guys in baseball that I'll, you know, kind of either just ask questions about or, or kind of pick up on some things that they're doing, or you watch it on TV and you kind of see what they're doing. Um, you know, in, in baseball specifically, a, a lot of time is spent on the infield, the skinned areas. Um, but that, you know, that practice of the way it's even watered before games is a very, you know, similar aspect to what hand watering of, of a green would look like, um, just applying the right amount of water. And that right. skill is, you know, it's very transferable, you know, one, you're trying to keep the, the soil at a proper moisture and, you know, the, the other one, you're trying to keep the grass at a proper moisture. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, I don't think, I think when I originally, when I went to school, I, I wanted to get into sports turf. Um, and then at the time golf course was, you know, the, the building was, was booming. Um, and then I got into golf. Um, but you know, I have a, you know, a huge love for baseball. And, um, so that was, you know, always an attraction to me, but it, you never hear a lot about it. You know, it's a little bit more of a niche aspect of the, you know, the, at least the turf end of things. Um, you know, major league baseball obviously is a huge component of sports turf, but, um, but that, you know, the knowledge and, and what's, what's applied and how it's used is very similar across, you know, both the industries. Well, I've been uh, fortunate enough to know, uh, to know Trevor Vance a little bit at, at Kauffman stadium here in Kansas city. And you talk about the crossover, uh, uh, uh Travis Hogan, who's in, uh, overseas Arrowhead stadium has a background in golf. So he worked mm -hmm. in, uh, in Monterey and now he is, uh, um, overseeing, uh, everything at, uh, at Arrowhead Stadium, which, you know, you got to take care of Patrick Mahomes. So, um, yeah. big, big we'll, we'll end with this big sports year for Wisconsin. I mean, you guys have got to just yeah. be loving this. You had the Bucks. Um, last time I checked, Brewers are in a pretty good spot. Uh, are they not? For, yeah. Uh, yeah. Playoffs yeah they're doing really well. Yeah. And the Packers are, uh, uh, and not to mention your little event coming, uh, coming to the golf course. So, as a, a fan of the, you guys have got to be pretty, uh, pretty fired up with the way things are going up there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sports in Wisconsin is a huge, any, anything sports related is big. Um, you know, and obviously the Packers, the Brewers, um, you know, the Bucks for so long have been kind of a forgotten component of the NBA and now, you know, winning a championship, um, you know, so what a year it would be, you get the Bucks, you get the Brewers win the world series, have a Ryder cup and then Packers go to the super bowl. I mean, that would be, That'd be quite a year to remember. That'd be, uh, that'd be pretty amazing. Uh, they could face my Chiefs, and uh, we won't. We'll wait. We'll wait till that eventuality uh, comes. I, I feel. I, after all these years, I now I'm now already feeling like I'm asking for too much because you know we've been to back to back Super Bowls and we were a play, yeah. basically a play away the year prior to that for, to doing three straight, and uh, so now I'm like, yep. um, feel like I'm being. Uh, you know, hoarding the, uh, hoarding the uh, football glory, but we'll cross that bridge when we yeah. come to it. So, well, Chris, listen, I appreciate all your time, man. Um, and I am super looking forward to get up there again, more shameless plugs. Uh, September 19th is when myself and all your volunteers and everyone uh, gather for the first time uh, for Ryder cup week. That's a Sunday. And uh, um, we'll start having reports on gcmonline.com uh, GCM's Twitter and Facebook accounts, uh, as well. Uh, I may bug Chris again for some stuff during that and, uh, get a bunch of other, uh, of your full time and uh, some of the interesting, uh, volunteers you have, uh, when we're up there. So thanks so much, Chris, um, really looking forward to it and best of luck to you and, uh, everyone on your, on your team for a great week. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's good talking to you. Good talking to you.
Well, that's a wrap on yet another episode of the GCSAA podcast. I want to once again thank our guest, Chris Zugel, for taking the time to join us just a few short weeks before he and his team host this year's Ryder Cup. And uh, I did mention this in the intro, but it bears repeating that I will be on site during uh, Ryder Cup week, providing behind-the-scenes coverage of golf course maintenance activities at Whistling Straits. So just mark your calendars and remember to uh, check out GCMonline.com and GCM's Twitter and Facebook accounts for all my reports. We will be back again very soon with another episode of the GCSA podcast. Until then, though, my thanks again to Chris Zugel. To our engineer, Evan Bissell, to everyone at Bayer for their continued support of the podcast as our presenting partner, to the nine members of the GCSAA Board of Directors, to all my colleagues and coworkers at GCSAA headquarters in Lawrence, Kansas, and of course, my thanks to you for listening in. Till we meet again, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll catch up again down the road on the next episode of the GCSAA podcast. Mm-hmm.